0: Hello, and welcome to another Sarasota Institute podcast. The Sarasota Institute is a 21st century think tank that is focused on 10 major topics we feel important for the future of humanity. Please go to sarasotainstitute.global to learn more. The Sarasota Institute is a nonprofit corporation. Hi, welcome to the Sarasota Institute podcast. I'm Jason Apollo Voss. This continues a series of podcasts on education and, of course, the future of education. Joining me today is Steve Turks. He is the head of global practice K-12 through at Perkins and Will. He's a principal there as well. Steve, welcome. Thanks for coming.
1: Thanks, Jason. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: So for my first question, uh, talk to us about the importance of place and space in education. I know it's near and dear to your heart.
1: It is near and dear to my heart. Um, It's it's a little bit hard for me to talk about that without first talking about a little bit of of the history of how we have traditionally designed schools in this country. Um, And you might have heard, the listeners might've heard folks refer to the factory model school, which in my mind refers to sort of that classic uh, school uh, hallway with these sort of cellular classrooms going down either side of the hallway, you know, and metal lockers lining, <laughs> lining those hallways. Um, when people think of school, that's sort of a, a vision that comes into mind. And once you get inside the, the, the door to that classroom, it's typically four walls, and there is a front uh, to the classroom. And you know the front because that's where traditionally the chalkboard was there, and that's where the teacher's desk was there, right? So that type of place, that type of space was designed for a certain kind of, of learning. And that was a type of learning where basically the teacher was the vessel of all the knowledge and they imparted it on all the students. Right. So it's very effective at that. It was very effective sort of of thinking about how to teach students in an efficient way. Uh, So the teachers stay put, the students move to this hallway is where I go to learn English and that hallway is where I go to learn math and so on. That's sort of the, the sort of the cadence of your school day. The bell rings in between those. Today, we think about space, we think about teaching and learning very differently. Um, we try to get away from this sort of cellular nature where everybody is, t- is treated uh, the same. You know, in other words, when you come in, the, when you walk in the school door in the morning, uh, you are the same as everybody else. And we know that that's just not the case. Our students have their own passions, their own interests, the things that really kind of get them out of bed in the morning. And so most of our clients today are very focused on uh, the type of learning where students are really uh, working in collaborative teams on projects, where they're working in areas of interest to them, uh, where they were working across disciplines, across content areas. So there might be a, a science aspect of your project and a, a history or a social studies types of, type of aspect to their. Uh, a mathematical aspect to it. That's all interwoven into a project. That's sort of the, the sort of the dream, right? That's kind of the best, um, that's what we like to see. So, the, but the kind of space, to answer your question, the kind of space that supports that is quite different. Uh, it needs places for students, it needs variety, and it, it doesn't want the sameness, it wants variety. Uh, so yes, that sort of traditional classroom with a teacher to do a lecture, there's nothing wrong with a, a good lecture. Uh, But you also want spaces for students to work in small groups. You want places for students to do some private um, uh, individual contemplation. Uh, You want to be able to bring a couple of of classes together to to bring in an outside mentor or presenter. So variety, Uh, we talked, there's been so much conversation about flexibility. I feel like variety is almost a, a, as important or perhaps a more important uh, aspect in terms of, the, one, of the, you know, one of the key things we're trying to do in the learning environments today.
0: And I'm, I'm guessing you have a pretty good grasp of what, not just what it's like aesthetically, right, which is an architect's concern, but I'm guessing you've worked with educators and you know that this way of creating space and place for education, it leads to better educational outcomes too, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, I, would, I, I think that's absolutely the case. There's a lot of environmental factors that we could look at outside of what you're trying to do on the, I'll say, the teaching and learning side that sort of project-based or, project or active learning type of uh, uh, process that I was just talking about. So if setting free and clear of that, we can, we can look at things like the impact of, of daylight or natural light. We can look at uh, uh, indoor, what we would refer to as indoor environmental quality Um, what's the you know how comfortable is the environment you know let's say even from a temperature standpoint we know we get we get outside of certain temperature ranges concentration falls off Uh, we know if students can have views to the outside and have what we what we refer to or i refer to as sort of life views we can actually sort of see some green stuff right outside your windows that's actually a positive thing for learning getting outside is is a positive uh, thing for learning so um Indoor air quality is important. Um, um, a lot more students, or a lot more children today are suffering from asthma. So the more time actually that they're not out of school dealing with that, that they're in school, the better. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But then there's the other aspect that I, I think. The, so those all have positive inputs and impacts on on learning and and student achievement. Um, but also, I think. Um, you know, I would say perhaps anecdotally, we can look at the way spaces are arranged relative to each other, that sort of um, variety that I just mentioned, the type and the type of work uh, that students are doing in those spaces is really, really important. Um, One of the things that you can can easily look at um, because there's research uh, about this is engagement. You know, how engaged are students in the learning work that they're doing in schools every day? you're sitting in neat, tidy rows and being lectured at all day, typical refrain you get from, you know, especially middle and especially high school students says, uh, yeah, they're bored in school during the day. So uh, but, you know, if, if a student is engaged in what they're doing, if they're excited about it, if they, you can make an emotional connection to that, that that learning has a stickiness to it, that just sort of rote memorization doesn't have.
0: I'll tell you what I think is cool uh, about these spaces. And for those of you in the audience, if you haven't seen one, Steve delivered a presentation for Sarasota Institute earlier this year where some of these images of spaces that he's helped create are. You should check them out. They're beautiful. But what I like about them is that these environments are a place that people's minds and their physical environments kind of merged together and I think it's kind of cool um, architecture being the only one of the arts that you live within so uh, it's super cool um, so talk to us about future ready schools
1: well I sort of have been actually
0: <laughs> I, I, yes, I know I know but let's draw it out explicitly
1: okay um, I think when I think about future ready schools I think about uh, any number of um, both on the I would say the the curriculum and the pedagogy side of that equation. And then on the space side, already alluded to any number of things on the space side, you know, relative to uh, the environmental quality, um, light sound, light uh, acoustics, thermal comfort, indoor air quality, uh, uh, ver- ver- variety in space, uh, in texture, in color. All those things have, have an impact um, on the, Pedagogy side, um, it is uh, I would say that a lot of what I've been talking about would fall under the umbrella of uh, what we we, there's a big conversation about student agency today. In other words, how much control does that learner have of their learning of their path uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis in that educational environment? Because typically, traditionally, and this is still pretty much true today, quite honestly, for in a lot of places, it's not true everywhere. There's shining examples of really innovative schools doing really cool work, but pretty, pretty typically, though, you know, student shows up, they know exactly what they're doing that day, what class they have to be in at what hour, and what's going to happen in that class, um, and they're told that. That's is my guess is, is mostly my point. You know, you need to take you're going to take biology your freshman year, you're going to take um, chemistry your junior year, you're going to take physics your, you know, your senior year. Um, that's, that, that order is kind of prescribed for them. Um, but student agency, where students have the ability to um, explore things that, that are interesting to them, that, are, that they're passionate about, where they're dealing with uh, real world problems and they're working with other students. Uh, solving real problems. I mean, you'd be amazed if you just let students, uh, if you turn them free in that way, uh, the amazing amount, the amazing work that students will do. I mean, just just mind, mind-blowing, mind amazing work, impactful work, right? Um, so when I think about that type of learning, there's one project in mind that, that I've worked on that I'm uh, particularly proud of and it's a, it's a project that's uh, sits in, um, uh, in a Kansas city suburb, uh, it's the blue Valley CAPS, The CAPS stands for the center for advanced professional studies. And that's what I've been describing is exactly what these students do on a daily basis. It's a high school program. It's not a high school, it's a high school program. So juniors and seniors throughout the district can come there for half of their day. They come to study things like, um, uh, engineering, uh, 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 aviation, uh, nursing, or health sciences, international business, arts, communication, uh, any uh, bioengineering. Um, And what their day looks like is industry mentors come in, they're co-teaching with uh, certified teachers. They're bringing uh, with them, those industry mentors, they're bringing with them real problems uh, that they're seeing in their industries today. We designed the building to feel more, a little bit more like, uh, frankly, an office building, like a place you would like you walk in and you don't feel like you're in a school building uh, for sure. Um, but the kids are working on real projects uh, for real clients They have real schedules. They're working, as I mentioned before, across disciplines or across content areas and producing stunning results. Um, the stuff that they're designing and uh, is, is, is amazing. It's, they produce something upwards of 20 provisional patents that come out of the program. Right. So, um, pretty, pretty amazing. uh, When you actually, when you actually lean hard in the student agency and and you are serious about it.
0: So talk to us about the future ready part of future ready school. Um, you've discussed some of the themes and some of the components of it. Why is it labeled? Why is this collection of stuff called future ready?
1: Well, um, it's this is, this is kind of where you need David, right? <laughs> so he's got the good he's got the good crystal ball, but certainly what we know of, uh, what we at least what the signposts tend to tell us right now is, you know, this the, the 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 students that are in our schools today, the jobs that they will have once they exit whatever path they are on their educational path may not even have been invented yet, um, right? Because they're going to be dealing with new technologies and new businesses. And so the future ready schools today, in terms of the, the buildings, they need to be highly adaptable. That's another word. We talk, I mentioned earlier, we talked, you know, it's been for, for, for decades, it feels like to me. I've been doing this for a while. We've talked about flexibility, but some other, some other components of the building that we haven't talked so much about are variety I mentioned earlier. Adaptability, I think, is, is really important today. Um, we used to build school buildings, uh, those factory model schools I mentioned with uh, corridor walls or structural walls, the exterior walls or structural walls. So adapting those to become something different or changing them is sometimes, is oftentimes difficult, right? Because you can't take those walls down because then the building falls down, right? Um, so a, a building that is modular, that is highly adaptable. Um, if we think about the future, we might be, this is happening, you know, this is definitely happening and it's been happening in spades uh last spring and right now right more more kids are learning online now than ever before uh, in history you know how that will look in the future is maybe a little bit hard to predict but certainly um, not all learning is going to happen in school buildings and so uh you know can that building morph and become something different can it morph and and turn its and 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 support a new program Um, could it could a could a school building A portion of it, anyway, become an incubator or an accelerator for for businesses that students are starting up, in you know, as a part of uh, their school day. So you know what that future will look like is sometimes a little bit hard to say, but what I think what we can say is you know if the building is sustainable, if it's got a certain module that it's based on, right? So um, if 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 the structure is robust, if we are uh, smart about how we uh, run utilities in the building so that we don't hamstring clients in the future. If we don't make it, if we don't make the stuff that wants to move potentially in the future too precious, so that you f- feel hindered in moving it because of what you because the capital outlay you spent on it when you put it up the first time. Um, so all of those things uh, I think shape our thinking when we're talking about future ready schools. And when I I personally, when I think about future ready schools, I'm not just thinking about the building. I'm thinking about what's happening inside the building. Are we creating students that are ready for their futures? I think that's a big part of this as well.
0: So thank you for that. Um, You've touched on some of the key themes, right? Um, I know that there are eight themes that you typically use to frame these things. Yeah. Say I'm an educator watching this podcast and – I don't have a huge budget necessarily to engage these eight themes in a from the ground up level. Which of these themes that you've mentioned could an existing school district begin to play with? Have you, I'm guessing some of your projects are how to adapt existing spaces to some of these themes. Are they? We do, not-
1: in fact, we're doing that quite a bit. If you look at the amount of school building stock uh, in existence and the average age of that, it's, it's upwards of 50 years. At this point. Right. So it's been around a half a century and it's a, it was not designed to, um, to support the kind of things that we were just talking about. So there's a there's a lot of work that's being done in existing buildings today to modify them um, to be able to support. So opening some of the opening some of the buildings up to create project spaces or to create um uh, create more variety in space. So those those kinds of things can happen in existing buildings. You have to you have to be thoughtful about it, and you have to be smart about it. And, you know, you know, sort of how the building was built originally, and you know what kind of limitations does it have inherently built into the structural system of the of the building. But we often find that there are ways to to inject into those even those 50 or even older 50 year old or even older buildings. Um, you know, maybe not all, but some of the aspects of the things that, that we're talking about. But variety of space uh, is, I think, a, an important, an important, important consideration. Having places, if, it, if at the end of the day, what I, what I tell staff working on a project, what we, at the end of the day, where we, where we end up is a corridor and classrooms on either side of it. We failed, right? we failed our clients if that's where we end up.
0: So you mentioned just briefly, you t- you touched on it, uh, about COVID. Yeah, you said, I think this era, I, obviously, it's a vast social experiment that we're all engaged in right now. Yeah. For an architect, it's got to be an especially interesting moment. An architect who works on education stuff, how? what are some of the things, not conclusions necessarily that you've drawn, but this moment has caused a rethink for many people on so many levels. This moment that we find ourselves in where people are being forced to work remotely, like you and I, like mm-hmm. the students are, how's it affecting your thinking? And are you trying to think about, Hey, how can I deliver an education space? And maybe my role as architect is to be less married to a specific place. And how do I get portability or like, what are some of the cool thoughts that this moment has forced you to consider that even if you haven't drawn a conclusion, you would never have thought of before.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's been a it's been a very interesting time for all of us, right? Uh, without a doubt. But relative to schools, we've done a lot of thinking of just about the impact of COVID in in schools. And um, uh, sort of tangential to your question, you know, sort of created this roadmap for our clients in terms of you know that we posted up on a microsite about you know things they should think about to, when they're reopening. Um, but beyond that, right, sort of we're going to think about sort of post-COVID, the impact of COVID, um, any number of things come to mind because there's buildings that we're designing right now. So some of our clients are asking us about, okay, you know, there, there are predictions, right, that this pandemic we're living through is not going to be the first one we're going to see. It, it may have been a big increment from the last significant one uh, that we saw in the uh, uh, in the, uh, 1918 era. Uh, but there's predictions they are going to come more frequently. So whether we hope that's not the case, but you know, things around, um, uh, the types of materials that we specify, you know, uh, that we are creating services that are easily, that can be cleaned easy. Uh, we had for years been, um, using, um, sort of, uh, uh, uh hands-free, uh, faucets and toilets and restrooms, but having you know, no barriers to the toilets, uh, uh, to, the, to the restrooms is something that we're looking at. Creating opportunities uh, more and being more intentional about outdoor learning opportunities is something we're looking at. Uh, we're looking at and talking to our engineers about uh, the, what kind of mechanical systems should we really be putting in our schools today. So that we can increase natural ventilation, and we can increase filtration rates. Um, so there's, a, um, you know, I've got a client right now where we are um, being careful about including more hand washing stations in places you may not uh, expect to find them uh, in schools today. Um, so it's, it's there's a, there are impacts that are happening uh, in the school environment that I feel like, you know, they're they're. Good for the long term. Um, they're not things that, that you know, when I think about it, like, boy, is this just a, are we just reacting to this moment in time? And, you know, five years from now, our clients are going to look at these and say, boy, why did we ever do that? Right. So we're going to think about it from, you know, over the long term.
0: Sure. Yeah. I understood. Is so there anything else you'd like to share with us? And if not, um, I have one final question for you, but uh, I want to give you the opportunity to share anything that I asked another way. Is there anything you'd like me to have asked you about that I didn't?
1: Is that your last question?
0: No, that's the second to last question. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: No, I mean, you know, I think uh, I think it's a. I think this is a. You know, COVID aside, I think you know the last number of years have been very interesting in uh, in 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 my line of work and what I do, what I'm passionate about. Because I think more and more educators are really feeling the need to think very hard about what that team, what teaching and learning looks like in their buildings. And there is a much higher level of understanding and recognition that the kind of space that we wrap around that learning, uh, the kind of furniture we put in a building matters. Like it actually matters. Um, It's not anymore just, you know, sort of, Give us the hard give us the four walls and the hard plastic desks. Um, don't worry about so many windows in the building. Like in fact don't put any in, you know, like that attitude seems to it seems to be gone, at least at least with the clients that we work with. So it's been a really interesting uh in my career, it's been a
0: really interesting time with over, over the last, I'd say five to ten years in this kind of work. Well, so my last question, and thank you for that, um, is where can somebody find out more information about Perkins and Will or you and your work if they're interested? Uh, the easiest thing to do is to uh, hit our website, which is
1: www.perkinswill.com. So that's P E R K I N S W I L L.com. And there you'll find, you know, Perkins and Will is, is we don't just design schools, we design uh, corporate interiors and uh, healthcare. Uh, hospital projects and museums and libraries and all sorts of things. So you can find out a lot about the firm, but there's certainly a link there that we can look at um, our our K-12 projects as well.
0: Well, Steve, thank you so much for being here. If you are tuning in to this podcast and you found it informative, interesting, or even fun, definitely share with your friends. We'd love to have more members at the Sarasota Institute. Thanks so much for joining us on this special episode. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please go back to where you downloaded this podcast to find another one that might be of interest to you. Thank you.